All right. Um, today we're going into Philippians chapter 2. And I just wanted to open with this question really fast for about two minutes. If you could just grab someone next to you, make sure no one's sitting alone. If you're a couple, bring someone who's uh, celebrating Singles Awareness Day in. But uh, what's the best community that you've been a part of? And what made it awesome? All right, I'll just give you guys three minutes to, to talk about this question, and then we'll come back. All right, thanks for sharing a little bit. You know, when I think about community, I feel like there's a sense that we all desire community. And maybe the worst part about Valentine's Day isn't, isn't being single, but it's feeling alone. And I think if we have deep, significant friendships, uh, it wouldn't be as painful. I think about social, social media and TV and film and how community is such a huge part of how we live our lives and what we desire. And kind of in every generation of television, there's this one defining show of what friendship and community can look like, whether it's Cheers or uh, Everybody Love Raymond or Seinfeld or Friends or How I Met Your Mother, or Friends Again, because it's now on Netflix, and there's a whole generation who missed it, right? Like, nothing, nothing happened after How I Met Your Mother except for Friends on Netflix, and it got crazy. Um, and it deserves to go crazy. But I think we all live vicariously through those relationships, and we all desire to create that kind of friendship. And for me, I'm a huge fan of How I Met Your Mother, and I, I just feel like I'm, I know Barney, and Robin is so vulnerable with me, even though she comes off cold. And, and Ted, I relate to his journey of finding love and, 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 that, and wrestling with singleness. Uh, and there's a part of me that loves and desires community. And part of why we're even at church, why we're here today, I think, is, isn't just to listen to a sermon. It's not just to sing songs of worship, but it's because we want community. And, and I feel like that's probably the most essential and, and basic part of what a church should be. Oftentimes we lose it, right? Oftentimes it can just be Sunday service. But at the core of, of church is this desire to know each other and to be loved. And we're all made for that. There's a part of us that longs for it because we're made to have it. Today we're going to go into like a super intellectual study of what the Trinity is. So I just want to apologize. Man, if you're here for the first time, you don't have a Christian background, dude, come next week. I'm, I'll be much more funny. I'll share more stories. It'll be more relatable. Today's kind of like a college or seminary lecture. And so like three of you are really excited about that. So this is for, yeah, this is for all, all three, four of you. And so I want to talk about the nature of the Trinity, what the Trinity is. I hope that you can leave with the construct of how to describe it, how it makes sense. And secondly, I hope that you, we would allow ourselves to see how the Trinity informs what community is and how we are to do community. So I want to tie the two concepts together. The first thing about the Trinity, and, and we would describe it this way, is that God is one and three. A lot of you guys understand that when we talk about the Trinity. And I feel like there's problems with it. Is it a logical contradiction? Should we just walk away right there and be like, well, that's not possible and therefore we shouldn't be Christian? And then I, I also want to talk about why the Trinity is so important when we think of community. So there's different 
uh, ideas of who God is, right? There's a monotheistic idea, which means that there's only one God and the Jews and um, Muslims ascribe to this idea that God is one. And what does that say about community? Well, if God, if there's only one God, then for eternity, community has never existed. And to emulate and worship God in imitating him, right, which is the highest form of worship, we should continue to withdraw from people in society until we are alone. And if you think about um, Islam and, and uh, Judaism, there seems to be this tier when it comes to the religious sector. And the highest form of this tier is a person kind of isolated from the community. Uh, isolated above the community and communing with God. And then there's a, another idea of community or God, which is polytheistic, uh, kind of the Hindu belief, that there are many gods. But we're saying that Trinitarians say that our view is different because these many gods have many different stories, have many different agendas, have many different values. And oftentimes these values and agenda compete. They want to bring followers into their specific agenda or line of belief. And the Trinitarians, the Trinity is different from that as well. So when we talk about the Trinity, there's this oneness to it, and there's this threeness to it. And the reason why it doesn't contradict is because the one and three are in separate categories. Well, man, we're going hardcore academia. They're in separate categories. That's why it doesn't compete. So for example, I'm like one and three, right? I would say, and in a non-competing or contradictory way, I'm one person but I'm three parts. Maybe I would describe myself as one person with a body, soul, and a mind. And so because they're two different categories, the oneness and the threeness are not contradictory. And in the same way, we'll talk about the Trinity in three categories or aspects in which they are one and one aspect in which they are three. But when we think about community, I feel like the Trinity has a powerful thing to say about it. Because for eternity, when we worship the Christian God, we're saying they've always existed in community. They've always existed in love. They were always able to display submission and humility and sacrifice and kindness. Something that neither the monotheistic camp nor the polytheistic camp can claim. And so as Christians, when we do community, it's not just out of our human need. When we do community, it's not something we fabricate or create or gather around values that we agree upon. No, we look at this triune God and we say we're doing uh, community primarily to imitate him, to worship him, to reflect him. And I think that's profoundly powerful, that the more Christian we are, the more in community we are, because that's who God is, and that's how we see and emulate him. Now, this, it gets a little deeper, and then we start to flesh this out. What I see in Scripture is that the, there's the Trinity community and their values and their vision and how they interact, and then there's this invitation to participate in the Trinity that Jesus and the Spirit and the Father extends to all of us in this personal way. And then after which, 
we are called, after participating in this, in this Trinity community, we are called to then reflect the Trinity in our community, that three-step process. And so as I go through different aspects of the Trinity, different categories, I want to describe it in the oneness and threeness of these categories. Then I want to talk, uh, show you a verse in which, in which the Trinity is asking us and pulling us into their relationship. And finally, we're going to land in Philippians, which is the book we're going through, and talk about how we are to reflect the Trinity in those values as we participate. Okay, we're all lost, but a little interested. All right, so Trinity inviting us in and us then um, living that out with each other. Like I said, it was like a college lecture, and next week I'll be more funny. All right, so here's the passage we're looking at that I'm going to kind of pull apart and put into different theological categories. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. I hope that today we could walk away understanding the Trinity um, in the most basic form because there is definitely a huge element of mystery, but also understanding how Trinity informs community. All right, so the nature, uh, philosophical term, the nature is the whatness of something, right? So every category of being has like a whatness to it and that defines it outside of the physical manifestation. So when we think of a cat, there's a whatness to a cat, some things that make a cat what a cat is. When we think about a human, there's a whatness to a human, properties, uh, values, purpose, interlaced with humanness. And so when we talk about the Trinity, and if this is like the classic symbol of a Trinity, and I don't know if they meant to make it this way, but uh, there's like kind of three persons, right, of the Trinity. So we'll pretend like there's God the Father here, there's the Son here, there's the Spirit here, and we're saying they're sharing, there's this shared component in that they are all, um, they all could have the nature of God, the different properties of God. They're all omni. They're all, all present, they're everywhere, they are all powerful, they are all knowing, so they share this godness to it. And alongside of nature is purpose. So the first verse we have talking about the shared nature of God between Jesus, which prior to his incarnation was referred to as logos or the word. So in John chapter 1 verse 1 it says, in the beginning was the word or Jesus, and the word was with God and the word was God, right? So here we understand that Jesus and God uh, share a nature, but also that they share a purpose, which is part of uh, one aspect of what it is to have the same nature. Jesus says, um, Jesus gave him this answer, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. And so we have a very shared and unified purpose between Jesus and the Father. And also in this purpose is a dependence 
for, to one another in order to accomplish this purpose. So there's a shared purpose and a dependence. And then in John 15, 5, we have Jesus extending that to us. But if you remain in me and I remain in you, which is like this idea of dependence, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So he's drawing us into this dependent, purpose-driven relationship um, as he extends himself to us. And then he asks us to reflect this in community. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and of the same mind, or another version, it says, of the same purpose. And so as we look at the Trinity, <clears throat> do we feel brought in to the Trinity in terms of purpose? Is, is the purpose of God what defines the purpose of our lives? Because we can go about our life using God as like another avenue in which we accomplish our goals, right? We worship God so that our agenda can be met. But really to be in relationship with God means that we, are, we desire what he desires. And not only do we desire it, but we depend on him in order to obtain it. That we are connected to the vine and without him we can do nothing. And I wonder if that's part of the anthem of our lives. That God, I can do nothing significant. I could do nothing eternal. I could do nothing of true purpose without you. There's a, this wonderful invitation to be dependent on him and to be part of this huge purpose that God has constructed through history, that we don't have to fabricate our own. We don't have to see our purpose die with us, that we get this, this meta purpose outside of us that we get to plug into, and, and we're dependent on him for that and to accomplish that. And then he asks us to create community around it. And so as we come together as a church, it's not because of common interests. It's not because of simply proximity. It's not because of life stage. It's because we, we are to accomplish the purpose of God together. And that when we come together, like Katie was singing, the nations are reached. People who haven't heard about God are hearing about him. And I hope that there's a sense that we can only do it when we're in community. I remember tabling at Cal State Fullerton. I've done it for many years now. And we approach people and have spiritual conversation with them. And I do it with all, I was, I remember it was our first year. I was a little nervous, right? But some amazing conversations have come out of it where people are asking about God or, or reflecting on their own journey and there's questions that are unanswered. And so I'm having a ton of fun and I'm doing it with the core team of Epic and crew. And like we're going out there, we're taking risks together and such. And then all of a sudden, crew has a meeting, and all of the Epic students have class, and I'm by myself, and I am scared out of my mind. I mean, there's no one to coddle me when I get rejected. There's no one out there with me, and I was sitting behind the table kind of hiding on my phone, and I was just reflecting on, like, if I was on this campus without a community to do this mission with me, I would, this, is, this is the best I could do behind the table on my phone with, do you want to join a Bible study as a sign in front of me? And I'm the past, I don't know, I'm like, I'm like pretty passionate about something like this, but that's my best. 
And I think about all the people who have joined Epic and Crew, all of you guys who have joined Renew, and the phenomenal things we've been able to do as a community. The people who have come to know Jesus, the people who have been fed, the people who have, we've been able to walk with through depression and suicide, and how you're not more spiritual because you're here, but man, you're doing more because you're here. We're doing more together than we can do on our own. I'm doing more because of you, because of your gifts, because of your, of your love, because of your friendship. I'm doing more. I can never do um, the outreach that, and to be able to love if you weren't around. And you know, in terms of my greatest fear as a leader, I, I think about the heaviness of leading a church and leading you guys. And, and my greatest fear is coming before the throne, having been entrusted with so much to steward, and God saying, man, Wilson, you, you focused on the wrong things. You didn't, you didn't really do what was meaningful. You weren't really living in my purpose. And if they went to other churches, they wouldn't have wasted their lives. That's what I carry with me. But I also carry the sense of great joy and anticipation before the throne. What I look forward to the most, what, what I would say I, I focus on is wanting God to say, man, like, you guys did more together than you could have done apart. And this whole time you were at church, you lived in my purpose. And you, you're doing what I've always done, loving people, loving each other. I, I hope that as a community, we never lose the reason why we're together. Because it can get so comfortable and so easy. I hope that we're always individually tapped in to the great vine who we're dependent on to bear fruit. And I hope that as we come together, we help each other focus on that as well. You know, the Bible describes the church as the body, that we need each other to function. But not anybody, we are the body of Christ, meaning as we come together in our different gifts and our different talents and our different skill sets, we incarnate the body of Jesus, the person of Jesus in our community that we get to love and touch and heal and be with people the way he is. But we do it together. Me, if I'm the eyeball and I'm like, peace out, guys, I don't need you, and I just start rolling around, I kind of die quick, you know? I don't travel well. Rolling isn't the best way of, actually, it's a pretty good way of transportation. <laughs> I don't know. All right, the second category of the Trinity is substance. And I would say that this is actually the most difficult aspect of the, com- of the Trinity to communicate and to conceptualize. And this is why it's, all the analogy falls apart, whether it's like H2O or the egg or whatnot. So this idea of substance is that the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father. The Trinity are, are, are existing, coexisting together. Let me give you an analogy that um, is a little violent and m- m- some of you might be offended by, but really helped me understand this. Okay, so I'm trying to get what it means for like the father to be in the son and the son to be in the father. And I was talking to my professor in, uh, in theology and I said, is it possible that if I kill the father, that the son and the Holy Spirit would also cease to exist? And he said, I think so. 
So like, so they exist within each other. They can't, they do not exist apart from each other. Meaning, if I kill God, that Jesus and the Spirit wouldn't just be like, oh, that's fine. There's, you know, it'd be like, oh, they would actually possibly cease to exist. That's how intertwined they are, that even their existence is intertwined. And the technical idea of substance is that it's a whole category, right? So like, if I say the substance of cats, I, the, the whatness or the nature of cat is what makes a cat a cat. But if I say the substance of cat, I'm describing every cat in the entire world put together, all right? It's all cats that, has, that, ha, that are existing right now. Scary, isn't it? I'm scared. And so when I t- talk about the thatness or the substance of God, I'm saying the entirety of God, all of God in the universe exists in Jesus. And all of God, the entirety of God in the universe exists in the Father and in the Holy Spirit, as opposed to the entirety of God exists one-third in Jesus, one-third in the Father, and one-third in the Spirit, all right? So all of them embody the entire substance of God. That's another aspect of oneness. And then we think about how they invite us into that oneness, that John chapter 14, verse 20 says, on that day you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And the way in which the Father and the Son indwell us is through the Holy Spirit, that when we become Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and we are made a permanent home for Him. And I think if you're a Christian, you get that, and you've heard it. But let me tell think about how intimate that is, the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Would you want, like, what if I said, Wilson wants to live inside, I want to live inside of you. Right? That's kind of scary. Like, oh man, I don't want you that close. Even Nino would be like, gross, right? But that's what we're saying about the Spirit. Like, He's living inside of us in this really intimate way, in a way where He's inviting us into intimacy with the Trinity. There's images of um, the new earth where the Father's sitting on the throne, Jesus is on His right side, and the Spirit is nowhere to be found. Like, the, it doesn't say, like, the Spirit's, like, hovering around them or on the left side. And one theologian said the Spirit is in the saints around the throne. That through eternity, the Spirit has made us his home. Beyond this life into the next, we are intimately together with the Spirit. He invites us in. To his community. That's so, yeah. Therefore, if you have any encouragement being, from being united in Christ, any comfort from his love, any common in, in the spirit, um, and I don't end the sentence, so it's really awkward, if any tenderness and compassion, we'll, we'll end it next. But uh, what Philippians chapter 2 is saying is that as we come together, our community is built upon a purpose that is shared, but it's also built upon this really profound idea that we all share the Spirit and we are family. We are all in the same family together. And, and that is part of, like, that isn't something that happens because you're a part of Renew. Like, it's already 
we're already family before I knew your name, before I met you, if you're just visiting, but you're a part of, you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and the Spirit indwells you, we're family. But the tenderness and compassion, the encouragement, the comfort, a lot of that happens not, be, not only because we are a part, we are family with each other, but because we get to express that in the local community. We get to experience the family that we already are. And I think that's a powerful aspect of what community looks like. That I get to be a part of your life. That I get to know you. That I get to hear your story and you get to hear mine. And so when we talk about church, it's not primarily this building or this service. Are we sharing in the purpose that God's um, put in front of us from the beginning of time of redeeming all of mankind. And the second aspect of community is, are we, do we know each other? Do we share in familyness together? Because I think church can just be dumbed down to showing up, and we don't know each other's names, and we don't know each other's stories, and we don't really share in the spirit together. But I hope that this idea of family would translate into our experience of love, of encouragement. I hope that we would spend time knowing each other and being a part of each other's lives and saying that there's this oneness that we share beyond theology, beyond like, yeah, we're family, but feeling that and, and then drawing other people into it. This third aspect of the Trinity, and this is where the threeness comes in, is that they are three persons, right? So you can point to the orange father, the blue son, and the green spirit. You can point to each one. And I would say that what makes them three is that there are three separate minds, right? There's this uh, idea of modalism in the early church where, like, the father transforms to the son when he comes on earth, and the son transforms to the Holy Spirit, but, really, but we, find, we say that that's uh, false, that's an error. Instead, we believe that even though there's, they're one in nature and one in substance, that they're three in person or subs, uh, subsistence. That the Father is separate from the Son and the Son is separate from the Spirit. That they have individual minds, that they're actually interacting with each other, actually able to love each other, that they are separate beings. Um, or separate minds. And because of that, there's this love that is placed between them, and there's a community and a culture that is happening around them. In the Trinity, in John chapter 3, verse 35, it says, the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. So we not only see a community that is loving, but we see a community that honors each other, that the Father is actually honoring the Son and lifting him up. The father is serving the son from a place of power. And then he calls us to participate in that. He says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So there's this participation where where the son is drawing us by his love into this relationship, but he does it through service. That That the same chapter in John 13 starts with, with Jesus washing his disciples' feet. 
And then he says, what I've done for you, do for one another. Serve each other. And he brings us into that community of love. He brings us into this community of service. And then he calls us to do the same. Um, Philippians chapter 2, I think verse (laughs) 4. Sorry, it was early, didn't finish the, my bad. For all the academic people who are like really into it, but now I'm upset that I messed up the reference, I'm sorry. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And again, that's not something that is just a core value in Christian community that, that we said, hey, this sounds really nice. Let's do this. Or, or Jesus saying, hey, that's a great way to live life. Go and serve each other and put each other first. No, it starts with the Trinity. They model this value. They model a relationship in which they lift each other up, in which they serve each other. Then Jesus comes on bended knees and he washes his disciples' feet. Which, what prophet or God exemplifies humility like this? What king bends before his servant, takes the position of a slave and washes feet? And then he says, now emulate the community that I've brought you into. Emulate the community that I am with the Father and the Son. Go and serve each other. Consider each other better than yourselves. That's powerful. I hope that as a church, we don't just build a community off of our preferences and family values. We don't build a community off of the coolest church out there. But we, in our community, worship the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And we worship Him because we're emulating Him. Because we're saying, Father, Trinity, like this, the way you do it, we want to do that too. We want to be like you and let that be our greatest form of worship. That we would be together in purpose, that we would be together in intimacy and vulnerability and unity, that we would, in separation, serve one another and put each other above the other. You know, I, I feel like um, at Renew, man, I see some of this. I see it forming. And, and I hope that we can kind of hone in and say, how do, we, how do we continue to do this as we're plugged into the Trinity and participating with them ourselves? Let me read this passage to you again as we close. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking on your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. I wonder how we can, how you, how me, how we can participate in reflecting the Trinity in purpose, love, and unity at Renew. And I really think it means more than showing up on Sundays. I believe that being a part of a church 
is so much more relational than what we do here. And so I just want to challenge you guys to hang out, have lunch with us. I want to challenge you guys to be a part of a Bible study, a small group that is also a mission team living out our calling in our communities. I want to challenge you guys to join our Facebook group and like go to Bing and sermon prep with me, you know, and uh, go to Bolu and study together and go watch, you know, Deadpool Loves You um, tonight, right? Like be a part of each other's homes and families. Um, I, hope that, I hope that that would define church for us, this idea of sharing in a purpose that is missional, of loving one another and, and being in unity. And also, would you pray for Renew to be a community that reflects the Trinity, sorry, capital T, in purpose, love, and unity? And I think, I think we're doing a lot of it. I think we have a long way to go. I mean, there's so much to that, right? Um, and I also, I'm also thinking, like, how does this scale as a community? Um, and if you guys could pray through that with me as well. All right? So... Uh, I'll close in prayer, a really short prayer, and I'd love for you guys to get back into the groups that you had the previous discussion with and just kind of talk and pray for each other. And then would you uh, get together, would you take communion and serve one another? And we just think about how we get to participate in, in the Trinitarian community, we get to participate in community with each other because Jesus died for us. It wasn't, it wasn't like this Trinity inviting us into relationship wasn't cheap. It wasn't easy. He forgave us of our sins to invite us in so that we can be perfect and blameless through the blood of Christ. And that's what, we, what we're remembering as we take communion. So, Father, we come to you and we just hand over the next uh, moments of the service, the most powerful moments of our service, where we get to pray to this God that we desire to emulate. Thank you so much for modeling beautiful community, modeling power, modeling leadership, modeling um, love and intimacy. And, and God, we look to you and we desire to worship you by doing the same here, by being with you in it. Um, yeah, help this young baby, one, and a, and one year and four month old church of in our foundations, desire and, and try to cultivate this Trinitarian community um, in, this, in this really form, formulative time in our, in our church history. We desire that, God, and we pray for it. In Jesus' name, amen.